speak in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. I had a sermon prepared for today. I talked about the audacious, not to say arrogant, demand of James and John to Jesus. We want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. I talked about their motives, the reaction of the other disciples, and of course the reaction of Jesus. Some of what I said was light-hearted at the Apostles' expense, as many of my sermons are, albeit with a serious message. But I can't give that sermon today because I cannot get out of my mind the shocking killing of Sir David Amos last Friday. And Jackie has asked me to speak to you today as somebody who has had experience of public office. I have a book at home called When Bad Things Happen to Good People. And I could try and talk about that, but it would take a lot longer than the length of a sermon, and I'd need much more time to think about that myself. But today's Gospel reading and the theme of the sermon was about serving. And that is something that I have been thinking about since last Friday. There's been a great deal said by politicians and media commentators about the fact that Sir David died whilst making himself available to constituents, serving those whom he was elected to represent. And I suppose that is why this to me is more shocking than perhaps any other stabbing, although they are shocking enough. He died, in effect, in active service. Not the kind of service we shall be remembering in four weeks' time on Remembrance Sunday. Military service men and women, police officers, firefighters, lifeboat crew, do not sign up to be killed when they enlist. They certainly do not want to be killed, but they know it is an inherent risk of the job, and they choose to serve in those roles nonetheless and we thank God for their devotion to duty. Many of you may know that before I retired, I was a judge, and I have friends who are still sitting as judges. I was not a criminal judge, and most of my hearings were conducted in a room. I'm really no good with dimensions, but it was smaller than the chancel, probably about half the size. One door was at the far end, where litigants and possibly legal representatives came in. There were tables and chairs, and my desk facing them, and a door behind me. No staff. Apart from contract disputes, liability for accidents, etc., I made decisions that had a direct impact on people's lives, on making people homeless by ordering repossession of their homes, on money matters following divorce, on deciding who children of divorced parents should live with and how much time the parent who they didn't live with would get to spend with them, and orders making people bankrupt. The repossession of family cases were fraught with risk of turning nasty when emotions ran high and the judgment was not what someone wanted. I was fortunate. In 17 years, I was never attacked and there would have been little to protect me if I had been. The instructions were, if I felt I was at risk of being attacked, to push the panic button under my desk, which in theory would bring court staff running to assist from a floor below. In practice, they normally would phone up and say, are you okay, or have you pushed this by mistake? 
and then I should run out the door behind me, locking it as I went. I don't know that I would ever have done that, leaving other people in the room vulnerable to attack, and I never had to find out. But we judges knew that we were vulnerable to violence. Throughout all the years I sat, representations were made to improve the layout of courtrooms to make them safer. And some courts are better now, but there is still a risk, and I worry about my former colleagues. So hearing of the killing of Sir David Amos just made me reflect on how vulnerable I had been in my working life, and how vulnerable my former colleagues still are, and why I am still shocked and upset and could not possibly have preached my prepared sermon. MPs will be balancing again what extra measures they can take to protect themselves as they did after the murder of Joe Cox. But I'm guessing they are unlikely to stop seeing their constituents face to face, for that is a bedrock of our democracy. Our elected representatives are there for us to see, and they will just try to minimise the risk. There are many others who make themselves available to serve the public, whether professionally or voluntarily. MPs, judges, court staff, doctors, nurses, pharmacists, receptionists, priests, shop assistants, restaurant workers, and I've no doubt you could add many others to that list. In fact, anyone who comes face to face with the public. There are so many roles where if you are going to be accessible to those whom you are going to serve, then you are vulnerable to attack. So do we stop serving others, pull back, retreat into our own safe shells? Do we stop putting others before ourselves? If we do, then evil has won. I recall last year when the country first went into lockdown and people were struggling. Others came forward offered to help and did so willingly. An amazing number of volunteers stepped forward. And it was said that when the pandemic was over, people would have learnt to get their priorities right. They will continue to look out for others, to be less selfish. The world would be kinder. Sadly, I'm not at all sure that has happened. Every day we see instances of selfishness, road rage, bullying by social media, and I am right, and if you disagree with me, you are wrong attitude, and a me first kind of entitlement. That is not what Jesus taught. He told the disciples and us that we must serve as he served. Whether that is in an obvious, noticeable way, or in a small, quiet, making a phone call to a lonely person, just being kind, kind of way. We must not be frightened to serve others. Sir David Amos, a devout Christian, would not want that to be his legacy. The second commandment is to love thy neighbour as yourself. That has not changed. Jesus says we are to love and serve others. That is what drives us on. That is why we call ourselves followers of Jesus, to do as Jesus did, to love others as God loves us. We must not withdraw from that commitment.
James and John were wrong in seeking rewards for themselves. The question they asked of Jesus should not have been, we want you to do for us whatever we ask, but rather, we want to do for you whatever you ask. And Jesus asks us to serve as he served, in big ways, in small ways. We say that we believe and trust in him. If we do, then we trust that he will guide us, teach us, be beside us every step of the way. Look carefully at the last verse of the next hymn as you sing it. So let us learn how to serve and in our lives enthrone him. Each other's needs to prefer, for it is Christ we are serving. Amen.